producer to here we are with another podcast at this point in the game do you like the podcast you ask me this every every because i feel like you the intro if if our guests are listening they're probably just going why does he ask this question every single podcast because i'm like your wife i'm just gonna ask you until i get the answer i want are you that worried i just like you and like dislike the podcast well, I just, sometimes i feel like you're just wandering you're just wandering i could give a shit less if you do or you don't but um i think we have one you're gonna like today because you like to poke fun at him more than 12 years ago 12 13 14 years ago you poked fun at him when we were doing a our tv show and i think that one of the first things we have to bring up is him falling down on camera down basically a hillside i think would be accurate yeah, it was a hillside sure. going down to an inland lake, and uh, holy ice that. fishing. Yeah, ice fishing. Yeah, so you do remember. So that that that'll be fun. But he, we're we're bringing on Jason Albanese, and he was a watercraft guy for twenty some years. And we're going to talk about some funny stuff, some bad stuff, and just some stories that he's he's kind of doesn't hold his tongue. So it's going to be interesting. Um, these guys have seen a lot. They're basically a water cop. They may not like that term, but. Um, and you get to see a lot of stuff, right? Like it's like Walmart on steroids here. So yeah, it'll make you, it, it will make you think twice when you go out on the water, right? Before you go to take some precautions because he has seen it all. And that's really well said because I think that when I talked with him about this and he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, tell us some crazy stories that are going to make people go, what? But at the same point, there's a little education there just to realize like, hey, things can go bad really quick. Like boats don't have brakes. You know, they do catch on fire. There's a lot of stuff going on that I don't think people think about when they just head out to, you know, maybe go partying or, you know, pleasure deal with the family or whatever it may be, or even fishing, of course. So let's bring Jason on and uh, I'm ready to hear some more crazy stories because we've had guys we've asked for stories before and they kind of let us down. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay, well, I don't think Jason's going to, so let's uh, let's bring him in. Jason Albanese, welcome to the Big Water Podcast. We've been talking about and, and thinking, planning this for a very long time. We kind of waited, you know, for you to be a retired old fart, right? That's right. That's right. Now it's been a year and a half, so so now yeah, he can talk, long. right? Is that is that the being retired? Now he can talk. Well, I mean. I, the elephant in the room real talk is is and this is no different obviously jason worked through the government deal right i mean this there's no surprise there and i I totally understood where you're coming from and rather some of it was you know just you being safe or whatever but i mean producer dude like seriously like any job you're at like are you going to start talking about you know potentially your boss or other people while you got to show up on monday morning and be like hey right Um, but I mean, we're, we're, we're going to dig into some stories and some good stuff here. And we want to make sure that we didn't, um, you know, put anything out there. We're not going to name names and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm really entertained. Cause I mean, I, you know, as we talked a little bit, some of the different things that you've come across and how many years as a, uh, watercraft guy, 24, 24, that's a long time doing anything. But before we go there, producer, dude, do you remember one of your first meetings well over a decade ago now with Jason? Yes, I remember him falling up a hill. <laughs> so yeah. I just want to, J- Jason, I just want to let you know, producer dude was the producer. That's how we kind of started this whole thing of a TV show that we did for almost a decade. And there was like this unwritten rule that he somehow came up with that like, hey, you know, everybody gets a hard time on the show um, as long as the name's Ross type of thing. But then he made exceptions for a couple of people. 
Okay, Tom Vadalero, uh, who's been on the Big Water podcast, and you, because he's like, nah, he just seems like he can take it. And do you remember, producer dudes, to what you said as he started to walk up that hill? Uh, so little little backgrounds were our ice fishing on this really small lake, and there was a really steep incline to get down to the lake. Right, and I told our camera guy, I'm like, make sure you roll as they're going up these hills because someone's going to fall. And sure enough, <laughs> he was going up the hill. Bam! Fell, slid right back down. Well, it wasn't just it. It wasn't just you fell down at slippery ice. Let Let's put this in perspective here, because I just I can I just as many days as I've been on the ice or the water. I mean, remembering this is awesome. You were in Carhartt, so it looked like a deer was rolling down a hill because you you rolled down. This was like it was a really steep incline, full of ice and snow. But uh, do you remember this, Jason? I do. The only thing I remember was that all I had to do was cuss like a sailor so that they wouldn't play it on anything. <laughs> I think we might have used it during the credits. Maybe. We used it somewhere, yeah. 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 See, you don't get by our deal like that. Like, we'll either bleep or take audio off and then play some, like, fairy music of, like, ah, da, 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 you know, like, you know, some ballerina stuff. Do we have any ballerina music we could maybe lay over this right now, producer? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But I do remember I you either. falling as well, Ross, right? Right, yeah. Jason? Yeah, you know, yes. that, was a, that was a different shoot, but it was another show with Jason. That was when we were going out, we were exploring. And do you remember this? Where the ice was so thin and we were checking it. We hit one little area and I fell in like, it was like a wave. Like everybody felt it move. Do you remember <laughs> that? I do, because you were the last one on the ice because we all ran and jumped on shore real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I was exploring. We were we were doing our checking, and then we got to a bad check area. How about that? And we left there quickly, and then we went over and fished uh, another little little pond not too far away. I remember that. But, yeah, that just goes to show you, you ice, you can be four inches thick on one lake and one on another, even though they're only a few minutes away. But at any rate, here's what we're going to do. People love stories. And I think that, you know, nobody wants to hear you. You can appreciate this. Like, nobody wants to hear, hey, wear your life jacket, bro. Right. Like we all know we should, you know, I mean, even me now, I, I'm kind of glad they've changed that law with the, uh, with the kill switch thing, because I'm going to be first one to tell you 15 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. I didn't wear my kill switch all the time. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Horrible, horrible decision. So now that that is like, Hey, this is a law. It's a good one. And it forces you to do it. Um, but nobody wants to talk about that stuff. It's not fun. So a lot of the things that are fun are stories. And I know me and you just talking through the years. And that's why when you agreed to open to Pandora's box, you know, just let the let the unicorns out here. There's a lot of different things that are, I mean, anything from seeing people uh, maybe getting busy in the boat. Okay. Right. To um, uh, let's say, you know, fatalities because of, you know, poor decisions or other people maybe intoxicated or whatever. So Start off with maybe one of your your favorite situations. I shouldn't say favorites, but notable because some of these, you know, maybe not are they're not necessarily fun, but they're kind of like, whoa, really? Yeah, you know, with my job a little bit, I always said that for me to wish for overtime, everybody always wants to work overtime, get more money and stuff. But for me to wish for overtime, it was tough because that meant that something bad was happened to somebody. So I just couldn't wish for that. Um, but in our investigator realm, we had several accidents that would fall under the realm of you don't get to do these very often. And because of my location in uh, the Bass Islands and stuff, uh, I had several accidents and they're not really accidents. They're um, 
there are different things that you work that are hard to work, uh, which is electroshock drowning and carbon monoxide poisoning. And I, I had a couple of them. Yeah, marine people don't realize a lot of people get electrocuted in marinas because of bad grounds. Yes. At the different, whether it's dock lights and, you know, things get, you know, ice damage or drug around from being in and out. Um, and that's why they always tell you, don't swim in a marina. Right, because right. one, you know, yeah, the grounding's bad, but two, you don't know what boats are actually putting the current in the water. And uh, this particular case happened out at Putin Bay, and it was the boat got plugged into the wrong um, receptacle. Uh, on boats, there's either 220 or, or 120 or 240, and this boat needed to be in the 120, but it fit into the two. 40. Now, most people will say, well, you can't do that because they're just RV fittings. But uh, if you force it, it'll go. It'll eventually go. And uh, the story on this was um, there was a dad, two kids and a wife um, on a boat with a dog. They pulled up. Um, dad plugged the receptacle in, um, went down below, checked the boat to see if it had power. Uh, it was funny so he went back up told his wife to watch it while he corrected it on his way up he looked dog was in the water dog was struggling so he said hey i'm gonna run in and get the dog so he jumps in to get the dog not knowing that there's current in the water he then started getting and you electric mean electrical current not current current yeah 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 sorry electrical current um he while he's in the water he's he's locked up he can't talk he can't swim he's just barely keeping his head up both his uh, sons, um, adult son in college, and then uh, like around a 14, 15 year old son, <clears throat> they both jump in then to help dad. Now you got three people being uh, electrocuted and the dog. <clears throat> the wife comes up and the dad has now gotten far enough away from it that it's dissipated a little bit. And uh, he mustered out electricity. She leaned over, grabbed the power cord from the boat, unplugged it. Witnesses by said there was a huge spark went by. And then um, that took the current out of the water. Uh, when we the dad went to swim in um, and the, the one son, the younger son, grabbed the dog. Dad looked over at his older son and he was convulsing in the water, which he ended up later on dying. Not good. So, and, and that's not a one-off deal. That happens all the time in some way, shape, or form like that. Yep. In a, in a lot of uh, a lot of marinas, it happens. And that's why a lot of people will see signs and say, no swimming in the marina. And, you know, people want to let their kids swim from their boat. But that's why you get that is because of electro, electro current in the water. Is there any obvious things that boaters can do that are kind of like, you know, like the wearing your kill switch type thing? Is there anything super simple that these guys can do? Or is it some of these are just bad situations? Um, some are bad situations, but you can get things like for that one there, you could actually, they make these bobbers that you would put around your boat and just tie on, just leave them in there when you're at a marina, if you're going to be there for a week or a couple of days, and then they float in the water. And if they light up, like you can see them glowing, um, that means there's current in the water. So definitely stay out of the water and even report that to get that taken care of. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. That seems like kind of a simple deal. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you're a boater boater, you know what I mean? I can see for myself, like, that's probably not something I'm going to do because I don't do that stuff enough. But right. if you're a guy that goes and hangs out at Putin Bay every weekend or, or, you know, travels in your boat or whatever, that'd be good. But I think the ones that I, I bet you have to have a bunch of stories on, because are you familiar uh, familiar with Qualified Captain? It's like on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. No, I've never seen that. You, you should look at it. These guys started putting these videos up where people just don't know how to run their boat. 
and eventually people just started sending them now it's like this multi-million dollar business and they're selling merch and everything else and the videos that they always put up there just non-stop and a lot of their stuff isn't you know ultimately a fatality it's more of like hey this is what it looks like just before something bad happens right hence the qualified captain kind of is a spoof but the one that's just always is the people riding on the bow of the boats man these people going through some nasty stuff and they got their kids and stuff sitting right up on the front and you're like what are you doing putting the boat on plane you know pontoon boats and i i mean you already know the end result of that or people just i don't think they understand the severity like they don't look at boats as being as dangerous as a car and in some aspects it's way worse because you got the drowning as well as the impact situation right and we've had we had several of those and i actually had two back-to-back accidents and uh pontoon boats are the worst because there is a little platform up there and a lot of people let their kids go up there they hang their feet off um but you know the first one was a wife and husband they hit a wake the husband fell in the water and the wife uh, was on plane she was able to shut it off but still the prop going through the water chewed up his back really bad and he was hurt pretty bad but then uh another one um guy had his kids up there on the front of that boat and uh he was going along the water and the kids were messing around pushing each other and they both fell in the water. Um, they were cousins. The one cousin fell to the outside. The guy's son fell right in the middle and he was on plane and just, he ran him over and cut his leg off, unfortunately, but uh, bad accidents happen. And when we stopped people and would talk to them, they were just clueless about that stuff. And we try to educate them, but sometimes you just have to be in that situation to even understand what's going to happen. I don't think people take it serious. Like I said, it's just their fun time. And I, I don't, I really don't think that they, they think about it. I mean, I see it every day, obviously, you know, and obviously you're throwing the alcohol into there. I mean, that's got to be, I mean, what portion of these incidents that you had, do you think alcohol were a key factor in? Oh, I'd, I'd say between 60 to 75%, you know, you get alcohol involved. Um, you, we're getting a lot more sober skippers, but then when the accidents happen, usually somebody's pretty trashed, uh, pretty drunk in those situations and then you just handle the situation accordingly but yeah yeah living so close to putting bay i mean <laughs> i can remember and i don't know if these are facts but i remember one of the coast guards guy told me before that marblehead was one of the most trafficked or runs or whatever you call it um, yeah you know as far as most most responses and most of them were like gas or somebody drunk you know like getting somebody ran out of gas or and alcohol was always a play because it's kind of party island people that are listening to this that don't know putting bay is basically an island of four miles or so offshore and it's got 40 bars on it or what have you and it's it's kind of a little it's like key west north they call it right everybody takes their boat out there docks it goes up drinks a bunch and then drives wherever and bad things happen usually then yeah any other uh any alcohol things that kind of stick out that were you know mainly alcohol induced well some of the some of the obvious stuff you know like so toledo's the big city close that i cover it's not like a cleveland but it's a pretty big city and the river runs right through downtown and they have the fireworks right on the river and uh, i always said you could almost walk across the river when uh, the fireworks are there because there's so many boats and the one end where the one bridge is usually starts the no wake zone so people get outside of that, they can go on plane. Well, it's just covered with boats in there. And there was a guy cruising along and all of a sudden he went to go up on plane and try and dodge all these boats. And everybody was screaming and yelling. We went over and stopped the guy and pulled him aside. And, and he was just, um, he was hammered. He couldn't even hardly stand up. And he's like, this is the no wake zone. And I was like, well, look around. And then the other one 
and you don't realize how drunk people get, but on your boat, you're supposed to have a distress flag, the orange flag with the black and uh, square and circle. Well, we were out in defiance and I stopped a guy out there during the fireworks and um, for some stuff. And I'm going through the safety inspection and, hey, you got a distress flag. And he picked up this American flag like three or four times and he'd look at it and he'd set it down. Well, like the fourth time he picked it up, he looked at it and goes, here it is. Here's my distress flag. And, you know, that's how drunk he was. He couldn't even decipher the American flag from distress flag. So, uh, Well, you know, backing up a little bit, I guess, give me a little education maybe. So because I, I think I know the deal on this, but obviously you're the, you, you're the guy I would know. So when you're in an area like that, let's say it is technically quote allowed to be wake, right? Like you're on the other side of the bridge, we could run wide open in, in said area and area X, Correct. but you have 900 boats there literally because they're doing fireworks. So just right. the scenario, just, you said, so here's the, I, I, because fishing down South, I know when you're around oil rigs and different things, what people don't realize is, Yes, you can run on plane there. However, you are responsible for your wake. Correct. Correct. So, so even if, if you can run wide open there, if there's 900 boats there, you can't just run through them, dude, right. because it's wide open because there's a bunch of boats there because you're responsible for the wake behind you. Right. Yeah. It's like it's the same thing when you get out on Lake Erie and you're fishing and there's big fleets of what I call perch fishermen and around. And then we get big go fast boats. We were getting complaints on it. One guy was doing it all the time. And they go right through the middle of them and just wake them all out and think it's funny. Well, we sat out there and waited for him and we ended up catching that guy that was doing that. And, uh, we ended up writing him a ticket, but same thing. You just, if there's, if there's, did uh, it change anything? Did it change anything? Did it, did it probably not. <laughs> probably not. I mean, did, did was it a $200 fine for the guy in the small wiener boat? <laughs> yeah. It did. It probably didn't change anything, but yeah. What do you do? So, in that? so what happens? Let's say you give them, is this is this like regular enforcement like with speeding and stuff so let's say let's say you give this guy three of these same exact violations he pays his 200 bucks can you escalate that to basically say hey the, you know or is it just the same every time no we you can escalate it to where you can actually cite them into court and they go in for the judge but it's still a misdemeanor citation um and they're not going to get much out of that uh, I, 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 I almost didn't want to ask that question because I figured that it was going to be a disappointing thing. Yeah. I mean, th that's where, you know, back in the day when we were younger boys and we were probably even on the tail end of this before cell phone cameras, when somebody just used to get a beat down when they went to wherever they went at the end. And then maybe <laughs> that was the reason, like 20 dudes perch fish just start slapping their shit out of you. Right. Yeah. So, Taking care of business. Um, maybe we need to get to that a little bit. But so back to the Mommy River, like as a kid that grew up in Toledo and fished the Maumee River just a ton when, you know, I did could, wasn't even old enough to drive. I saw some crazy shit there, like crazy. And I saw people float boats in there in a crazy current. And they were almost always John boats because for people that haven't been there, it's damn near, I would say, knee to waist deep a majority of the areas that you're going to be fishing. Yes, there are some deeper holes or whatever, but these guys would come in there with, you know, John boats, no flotation, no life jackets on, da, 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 da. And the current is ripping in there. You had to have had just a ton of stuff because I've witnessed multiple things there in the, I guess, in the big picture, relatively small amount of time I was on the water. Yeah. And we always, you know, I can remember we'd be out patrolling and you look at that and you go, look at that boat. You know, it's like they shouldn't even be out here because some of the boats that go through there are pretty big and cause a pretty big wake. But one of them, there was a, you know, two guys paddling and uh, they have a little dog on there. 
and they have uh, two electric trolling motors hooked up in the back with batteries and a bunch of fishing stuff. They're anchored fishing. They were severely overloaded, and they're right out there where the big boats. It's Grassy Island right there at the mouth, and uh, yeah. they're right there at the mouth fishing, and we stop them, and we're like, and the waves are just rocking and rolling on them, and, you know, I, th I think they had life jackets on the boat. They weren't wearing them, but they had them on the boat, but we were just like, hey, man, um, this is a little unsafe, you know, you got to go in and, and, and stay in into an area where you're not going to be bothered by these other bigger boats. Cause if we deem that um, we would deem that there's a situation that's bad, we could actually stop the situation and send them in if we wanted to. That one was, I didn't do that very often. And that was one of the ones that we did and pushed them in so that, you know, we wouldn't be coming out there for a bad situation. Can you, can you stereo? I mean, I know you can. I'm wondering if you're going to. Like, when you come up to a cop, like people say, oh, you're profiling or whatever. Is there a type of boater or maybe a type of boat? Like, I call them small wiener boats, okay? We also have, I know you are you fit into one of these categories, bass holes. Yeah. Like bass boat guys that go out there 900 miles an hour and like, just get on top of them, Bob. We'll be fine. You know? <laughs> or, you know, the big boat guys, you know, it's like, of course, I always think we're right. Right. You know, I'm a I'm a small trailer boat guy, deep V haul, whatever. But then you get the we call them the big white boats. Like in chartering, there's the big white boats and there's the sparkly boats, as they call them. And we both hate each other because they just they seem to fight each other nonstop from a enforcement standpoint or issues or whatever you want to call it. Was there a certain group or somebody you're just like, oh, or somebody you just knew you're going to pull into it, you know, and like they're going to have a violation or not having something really good? I, I wouldn't say there was a group. Um, I didn't look at it like that. I always tried to keep a an open mind when I would stop people and stuff. Now, we did get attitude from a lot of people, especially the bigger boats. Those guys would always think that they're better than everybody and, you know, what are you stopping me for kind of thing. Um, most of the bass fishermen guys, I would always relate with them just because I would say, oh, I have one of these on too, but you can't do this kind of thing. Um, but I wouldn't say, you, obviously, you can't stereotype when you're out there doing stuff. But um, Good they, police work, I, though. Good police work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're, see, this is why we wait till you're retired, because now we can we can talk about real talk. Like, I mean, there's things that, you know, there's like they say, what's the difference between profiling and doing good police work? Um, number of years and verbiage or something, right? Like it is. It is learning how to talk to people. Interesting. So give me another one that kind of stands out, because, I mean, in 20 some years of doing this, like. I mean, how many incidents do you think on average, or do you even know the number, like that you would average per year that you would have to investigate or deal with? Well, so I was um, an officer and a sergeant for 10 years, and then I was an investigator for my last 13 years. And the majority of those last 13 years when I did mainly boat incidents and investigations, I would have on the average about 75 boat accidents a year that I would investigate. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, and, then, and that's it. That's just, I mean, what region of Lake Erie is that that that, that the 75 fall into? Because there was more than one of you, right? Uh, no, I was the only one. I was the only one. Oh, and okay. Well, maybe in that's... my area, everywhere else there's two, but in my area, I was the only one. And it's well, yeah, no, that's what I meant. What are the areas like? Oh, so my area was Huron West. And I had the inland stuff, all the rivers, uh, when you get out into the local counties, private ponds, too. A lot of people don't understand private ponds we have authority on if there's major incidents, fatals, 
um, somebody's hurt real bad, something along that lines. We can't just go patrol a private pond, but, um, but Lake Erie, yeah, that's so, so from there over was my area and that was 70 and that's the ones we knew about. We knew there wasn't a lot of accidents that didn't get reported, especially when you just, when it's just property damage, somebody runs into a um, dock or a, you know, but if they run into another boat, usually that gets reported because most insurance companies need a report on that. Yeah, that's what I, I, I didn't realize either. And I think that's you. If if somebody has like, let's say a bunch of fiberglass damage from tearing something up, don't they have to go to you to get a report? Yeah, actually anything over 500. I, I didn't even know that. Yeah, anything over $500 had to be reported. Now, I think we've changed that now since I've been retired. I think it's up to 2000 could be 1500 but it's up there now but still you look at your cell phone technically something happens and your cell phone gets dropped in the water um what are those things now 1200 bucks a pop so you're almost at the threshold right there just with that you know one thing that i think they're always as a guy that does this for a living i think i know the rules better than most but i think there's still a lot of gray areas and then the reality is it's just like okay you know, the guy in the right has the right of way, but when nobody follows that or nobody pays attention or nine out of 10 boaters out there don't know, you know what I mean? Uh, right. Or just don't seem to give a shit seems to be a lot of it. And that's really the problem with a lot of it. But how many incidents do you have or things that come to note of like with a ferry, for example, have you ever had anything? Because I see guys and they're like, well, I'm on the right side. And it's like, dude, it's a ferry. He's under work. So how, explain a few of those things or if you have any incidents with like a boat quote working. Yeah. So, so if it's a boat working and it's in a, um, uh, a channel, um, it has to actually, they have to stay in that channel. So they have the right of way. Um, now, if uh, they're out on the middle of the lake, there are some rules that apply, but you still got to get out of the way. We did have a ferry over in Cleveland that ran over a fishing boat and it, um, it ended up killing a guy out of that. It, it was a small little fishing boat. They were anchored. They said they saw it coming. They just didn't move. They just sat there. The ferry boat was driving right into the sun. He couldn't see this small little boat and ran him over. Unfortunate situation, but um, that does happen. And you just got to kind of get out of their way if you can. Um, they're they're not as maneuverable as most other boats so don't be dead right well what about like people again that are maybe close to us or have been around here like the kelly's island ferry or like the miller to south bass island and middle bass island like those guys have a lane and if i was to look at their gps track they're within 10 feet unless it's a weather situation they're just back and forth back and forth you know every half an hour so they have the right away yes right? right away and if you look at a nautical map it'll say it'll have on there the track that shows their ferry lane that you have to give way to them. So they take off and they go and they won't slow down for hardly anything. Um, you know, they'll, you know, just keep going and you got to get out of their way. They'll veer if they're going to run into you, but you know, usually they'll be hitting their horn long before they run into you and you can't. Yeah. I mean, through those guys, especially in a weekend, man, they just, uh, some of these boaters around them guys, it's just like, are you kidding? Well, I got a fish on like, dude, you're a dipshit. Like, what are you doing? Right. Aside from what do they say? What's that old saying? Don't be dead. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like the guy that anchored up, well, I got a good perch on Bob. We don't want to pull the hook just quite yet. Right. Ugh, not, not good. So, you know, obviously we've had a bunch of serious ones in there, but I mean, there's always this is some funny stuff because I can remember as a kid, like pretty young, um, a guy's planer board, like literally hits our boat. He just keeps coming. We're trying to turn, turn, turn. Right. And, um, 
when his board literally hits us because we, we, we did damn near a spin we we're like where's there's nobody in the boat well let's just say a head popped up <laughs> okay and then we found out why um you know the boat wasn't being driven and uh, somebody was having a good time um have you ever had some um risque <laughs> risque yeah, so, stuff as they say you know i've always had a couple when i was patrolling myself and you know you say hey can i just see a couple life jackets and then, of course, especially if it's a boatload of girls, they'll all like flash you and say, you know, oh, do these work? You know, and you got to be like, well, thank you. But, you know, no, it's got to be life taking. You got to stay professional when you're out there. And then um, but one of the ones that my guys had, it was on the Sandusky Bay. They were out patrolling and they're driving along and they look over and they see a boat that's just going all over the place. It's under power. The boat's running and it's just under power, but nobody's behind the wheel. So they think somebody, something happened to the guy or he fell out or something along that lines. Well, as they get closer to it, they see a guy's white butt up in the air. And then they're like, what the heck? And all of a sudden they get right on top of them because they were going over there in a hurry. And uh, they were having a little uh, little threesome, two guys and a girl on the boat. So, <laughs> Wow, that's a party. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, producer dude, do you feel like you're living a, a dull life now after listening to some of these? Um, yeah, but that would be hard to do on a jet ski. <laughs> yeah, that's all oh, that's I don't know why to think of this. Yeah, jet skis. There has to be some producer dude is a jet ski. Like he'll go from Michigan to Putin Bay. I mean, crazy. He's a jet skier. Like that's his thing. We, we yeah, there friends has- sunk had one sink, uh, between, uh, middle sister and east, uh, west sister just about sunk. We had to tow it all the way back, which full of water it took five hours so we've had our share of uh share of mishaps on the jet skis there's there's a lot with jet skis um and uh some of them are you know there was an explosion a lady was sitting on top of it they'd run it she'd run it for like an hour with her kid on board got him off she was idling out and it just exploded and threw her up in the air she came down both broke both her ankles on the side of the jet ski um you know, there's all sorts of jet ski accidents, although I use jet skis as a, you know, when I was teaching boating classes, I'd say, you know, how many of these jet ski accidents do you think are fatal boat accidents? And all of people be like, oh, almost all of them. And I'm like, well, not really, because jet skiers, they're forced to wear a life jacket when they're underway. And uh, I'm not saying they're not maimed or crippled, but uh, they're still alive because we can get to them. And, you know, that's my disclaimer for wearing a life jacket. But um one of the ones I remember, it was a lady. She was coming back from um, her and her her kids. Now, she was by herself on a jet ski, and her two kids both had their, I think it was their kids' girlfriends. It could have been one of them, their wives or whatever. But they're coming back, and uh, they're coming back from Putin Bay going down to the Portage River. And uh, somehow she got launched off of her jet ski. And <clears throat> she watches it go. It's real windy. She can't catch up to it. She's a little bit older. And it's going away from her. Now, she has her life jacket on, and it's snugged up right. And uh, the kids come back, and they can't find her. They were like, well, she was just back here. We couldn't find her. So as I'm talking to them, doing the investigation, they can't find her. Well, this goes through the night. And in the morning, and 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 I know as an investigator, the longer this goes, normally it's not going to turn out very good. So I'm over. They actually own the campground. So I'm there with them. They got good support. We're talking. The Coast Guard's out searching. Our guys are out searching. 
Um, they ended up finding the jet ski once it got daylight. So that was kind of hope a little bit. It wasn't sunk or anything. It was just floating around. Now, overnight, there was a huge storm that came through. Big wind, uh, big six-foot waves. So in the morning, um, one of my guys calls me and says, hey, have you heard anything from the Coast Guard? And I said, no. And he said, well, we found her. And the way he said it, I didn't think it was going to be in a positive manner. And I'm like, how is she? And he goes, she's alive. And I was like, okay. So um, I had to go over and tell the family, hey, your mom's alive. They were in distraught, uh, ended up going to the hospital. Well, when I was talking to her, what happened was she fell off. It's, it, the wind blew it away. She couldn't catch it. She could see her kids. They were probably 150 yards away from her, but they just couldn't see her because it was starting. the wind was starting to pick up a little bit. Well, I mean, the waves were big and she went from, so if she's going back, if you can imagine she was going straight down to Catawba to try and get out of the wind. And then she was going to hug the shore because it was a strong South wind. She was going to hug the shore around over to the Portage river. Well, smart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, she was smart. She's very knowledgeable in boats and stuff, but she said that the current took her, it was so funky. It took her down across and she remembers looking up at um, Davis Bessie at the tower. So it oh. took her all the way over there, all the way over there. Then it caught a different current and took her back down by the portage and around. She said at one point, um, she goes, overnight during the storm, I almost got ran over by the Coast Guard boat. And I said, well, how do you know it was the Coast Guard boat? She goes, I could read U.S. Coast Guard as they went by me. And I was like, it was close. She goes, yeah, their wash hit me. So I was like, wow. So was- somebody on the Coast Guard needs to open their eyes up. Well, yeah, I had a little chat with the chief over there. Um, this is going back, oh, probably almost 10 years ago, though, when this happened. So it was a ch- couple of chiefs ago. But when I um, uh, – how she was found was, of course, the next morning – a lot of people went out to look and some good friends of theirs happened to be going out. And the, the lady in the back said, I'm just going to stare at one spot. I'm not going to look around, which was smart of her. And as she's going, um, the lady then in the water said that she could see them. So she said, I'm going to give a one last hurrah. She kicked as hard as she could and waved her hands. And that's what the other lady in the boat found her. And they saw her and went and picked her up. So, um, you know, she was exhausted to the point where she was about ready to drown but all night in that big storm, then it laid down flat. So, so let, let's start talking about current. Like people, you know, this is a Great Lakes thing on Erie. I don't know if you'd say it's worse or better, but I'm thinking specifically, and and I don't know this because we didn't talk about any of this, but like the beach down in Huron, I know people drown there all the time. And I, when I say all the time, like not on a not regular basis. I mean, I can remember hearing one story, and maybe you were involved in this one, where a girl went in went under, nobody could find her, two young guys, you know, I don't want to say adolescents, but under 18, went in to, quote, be the hero and save her, and both of those guys drowned, and the girl popped back up. That was a while ago, but not that long ago. But that beach in particular, the currents that are down there, I don't think people understand. And In certain areas like that, off that Huron, I think they call it the Nickel Plate Beach or something like that, but give me some stuff on, on the current or maybe even that beach specifically that seems to just have so many issues. Well, there's always current on Lake Erie. If you go, if you've ever been up, which I'm sure you have, the Detroit River, there's some pretty good current flowing through there. Um, and then it hits Lake Erie, it opens up 
but there's always a current going through Lake Erie, just a natural current because it's flowing from one end to the other to flow out. Um, and then when you get storms or waves or even over there on the Huron River, it comes out. And then so the current's coming out of the river. It gets all stirred up right there. And then you get undertoes if there's waves coming in. And that's what grabs people and pulls them under um, is just from that. Yeah, that's a that's a bad beach. We've, we had several there. And since it's non-boating, we'll go down and help with the search and stuff. But usually it's the, the um, fire department or the Huron or the sheriff's department. They usually do the investigation on those. I just looked up a quick number. Every 2.6 years, Lake Erie completely turns over with water. That's how much is flowing out of there. Yep. Yep. Like every drop, every 2.6 years is cycled through. Yep. That's a lot of water. It's big. Yeah, because I, at that same number is like 40 or 50 years or something crazy on Lake Superior. Or maybe maybe more. I can't remember. But I know it was a lot. Right. So, yeah, that current thing. I mean, I think about probably, I'm going to guess in your time, one of the biggest rescue attempts or whatever you want to call it incidents, but I can remember being out there and people actually thought it was me because of the description at the time, younger guy, uh, all black boat. And there was a fatality and it was literally happened on the same reef, which is the crazy thing that I was fishing. And I remember talking to you later because I'm like, I was literally right there. And, you know, again, I'll let you kick in real quick, but it's like the next day out, I don't know how to describe this, but it looked like world war three there was planes from Canada. I mean, there was charter boats that were, you know, 20 wide. I never had seen such a search mission. I mean, they had that ground with the, the it looked like a big ice cream cone hanging below planes. And they just were going back and forth. These big giant old, like world war two kind of bomber style planes. And at least to my eye, um, tell me a little bit about that one. Cause that had to be more man hours and manpower than anything that I've ever seen. Right. You're talking the quadruple fatal. Yes. So, you know, that's, you know, those are always tough because when you have to deal with kids, because there was a juvenile involved in that one. Um, yeah. So we get the report. It's it's early in the morning, like three, four o'clock in the morning. We got the report that they hadn't made it in yet. The uh, there hasn't been any contact with them. So I go up on scene. I get there and, you know, we're um, right there at the two St. <clears throat> And there, they put in right there beside it. Um, that was our kind of headquarters. A lot of people were staged up there. A lot of their friends were there. And we're talking to everybody. And then they ended up finding the boat. Um, it was uh, it was upside down. It was straight up and down in the water. So obviously it, it had capsized. So, um, you know, I'd give updates to the people and tell them that we found the, um, the boat straight up and down, which I figured that usually happens when, when uh, it gets daylight, once it gets daylight, you can see a lot better. So you can find things like that. But um, when I started looking at, we left the boat there because that was a good reference point for kind of where it was close to have happened. And they started searching. They put divers in the water. There was nothing around there. So we pulled the boat. I secured it, locked it up, um, was going to look at it later that day. Um, we ended up finding the two females, which one of them was a juvenile. Um, right away, they ended up having uh, float coats on, um, but the water temp was, it, it was in the low 40s, I believe, if I remember. It was that. brutal. Yeah, I, I remember that day like it was yesterday. I don't, how long ago was that? Man, that was like 10, 15? 
12 years, 2012, I think something along that. It was, it was a crazy East wind and it was the temperature. It just felt like it was, even though the temperature wasn't below freezing, it felt freezing cold with that. And because the water was maybe in the forties. Right. And it was, you know, it was, so we brought, um, we brought both girls in. We, uh, so we knew, you know, we knew who was on the boat. So we had the parents there. So we ended up telling both them, but the coroner needed a positive ID on them. And that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was, uh, oh. I took one family and the sheriff took the other family, boss, um, um, Lavorchek there from Ottawa County. And, uh, we had to go in and, you know, be with the family, why they did the positive ID. And that was, that was rough. That was, you know, tearjerker right there. That was pretty hard. Um, <clears throat> So we got that done. We had the the two males were still missing that were on the boat. Um, we ended up, I took the boat after we pulled it out, got it in storage. I went then and finally looked at it. There was a GPS on board. Um, there was uh, talking to, he had a, a partner that was involved in their fishing and stuff. And he said that um, he usually ran like a GoPro, but that GoPro wasn't on the boat. Um, I had him come over and look at the boat to tell me if there's any new damage, anything missing. And that's when he told me about the GoPro. But, uh, you know, when I, when I pulled a GPS, the only thing that it showed was that they were coming, you could see where they were trolling, obviously. And then there was a straight line they were coming in and it, it took a hard left. Um, and then it went, I think it went like 25 feet. And then that was it. That was the last thing that was on the GPS. So I'm going to imagine whatever happened, happened right there. And didn't you guys have to send that GPS back to like get the hard drive or something out of it? Or so we, we tried the the ports on it because of the water. You just never know what water is going to do with that stuff. I mean, I did everything you could do. You know, I, I soaked the whole thing in rice. I you know did a whole bunch of stuff. It just it didn't work. I could read it. I could look at it. I just couldn't download anything off of it. So I took pictures of everything I could on that boat um, or on the GPS itself when it was powered. I even had the local rep um, come and, you know, he sat down with me and we did it just so I didn't screw anything up. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, the only thing I had was that that's what it was doing. Um, we ended up, uh, I had the speed, which I can't remember right away what exactly it was, but they were going pretty fast, um, you know, for a walleye boat. Those guys are crazy anyways. Um, but they, <laughs> but so the other two, we ended up finding them a couple weeks later. Um, you know, so they were all four. That's how we determined there was four fatals involved. And then when I, <clears throat> because in the law enforcement realm, you can't, you can't assume anything, you know, I, I guess I could have my suspicion on what I think might've happened, but I can't sit there and say, this is what happened. This is an official document and put it on my accident report because i just don't know i gotta have evidence to back that stuff up um and then but the uh, assumption is is they hit something maybe they either hit something they were going fast they they caught a chine on their boat um and it turned them abruptly and threw them out and rolled them over um or they hit something there was you know it was winter there's a lot of trees and logs and stuff out there they could have hit something like that you just never know but uh, so once it was all completed and I sent it out, uh, the Toledo Blade actually got a hold of the accident. They did a public records request like they're supposed to and did it. And then they posted it online. And then um, 
actually during the whole incident too, I was receiving phone calls from people that said they know what happened. And I'm like, oh, cool, we have a witness. And then the guy was like, well, here's my theory. And, you know, okay, whatever. Um, I got, oh, God, you got to get a lot of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people. And then, um, and then even online, uh, once the Toledo Blade posted that online, there was a lot of people going on there that, you know, and said, you know, oh, you don't know what you're doing. This is what happened or that's what happened. And I was like, no, these people just don't know. So, um, but that was a tough one. That was, you know, you know, when you have four people die like that, that's, that's pretty tough. Uh, again, kind of backing up to the current situation, the two females had a life jacket found quickly. Yes. The two guys, because of the water temperature, people that maybe don't know this, when it's that cold, they don't, I think, gas out is the technical term. So basically they don't float up and they may be suspended or, you know, somewhere in the water column, not on the surface. And didn't they find those two bodies? I was just having this conversation with somebody a few days ago, like, I mean, 40, 50 miles apart or something crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the one he drifted, the first one that came up, he drifted straight in because it was a north wind for a while and he drifted straight in. So we found him on the beach. Um, but the other one, yeah, he was he was quite a ways away. Um, actually, he was on the other side of the islands out in that realm out there. So he was quite a ways away from where the other one was found. But yeah, because of current, because they, they'll slowly start to come off the bottom. And once the bodies are heavy in the water, once they start to come up, the current will start to push them around a little bit before they're even up on top of the water. So it can make it tough. Ooh. Ooh. Do you have another fun one? After that, I feel like, I mean, that's like, <laughs> I think we need a fun one. Um, I'm going to look at my notes real quick, only because you start thinking I mean, don't realize drunk people like there has to be some stuff where you're like oh, i still got to do my job but like if i was standing there next to you i would think it was hilarious i mean girl showing her you know woo -woo is i mean that's funny but you have to have some like what what do they call those um um liquid uh liquid encouraged uh, lawyers i think yeah. is the term they where all of a sudden they start telling you the law they know everything and listen here well, and there's always people that, you know, think, well, I'll wait and I won't tell them I'm driving just yet. <clears throat> so we had one guy ran into a break wall. Um, we go in and question. Happens more than you think. Huh? <laughs> Happens more than you think. A lot more than what people think. Um, totaled the boat. They actually it hit the break wall and they ended up tying it right how it hit, which was perfect for me. But um, it hit the break wall. They all get off. Uh, the guy, the boat owner was sitting there and he ended up, he had to be transported to the hospital. He had some pretty good injuries. And when we get to the hospital, they're like talking to him and doing their thing in the hospital. So I'm talking to him about what happened. He said, well, there was a girl driving. She was sitting on my lap. She was the one driving. I wasn't driving because he's hammered and <clears throat> we go back and forth and, um, all right, fine. All right, fine. So me and another guy are like, there's no way he wouldn't let this girl drive this boat. But he didn't know her name. Nobody on board knew her name. I think actually we knew the first name. So I had a, I still do kind of have a side paint business and I'm actually painting a house and it's a brand new construction house. So there's people working inside and there's people working outside. And uh, the guy helping me, we had talked a little bit about it. And I said, yeah, we can't find this girl. He comes over to me about a half an hour later and says, hey, I think that girl you're looking for is inside. And I'm like, what? No way. Yeah. I'm like, what? 
So I go inside and I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? I'm talking to him. And then I ID myself to the girl. And I said, were you involved in that accident? And she said, yes. So I called another guy that was actually handling, um, cause I was just an officer at the time. <clears throat> and, uh, so he came down and we talked to her a little bit and, uh, she was, it was rehearsed. She later on admitted that it was rehearsed, that she was supposed to say she was driving. And, uh, we were like, all right. And he's like, all right, I guess we'll just file all these charges against you. Cause you know, if they can lie, we can lie a little bit too. And, uh, <clears throat> whoa, whoa, officer. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, you can't, oh, I'm how this is going down. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of get her to admit. So we said, you know, we'll file all these charges against you. And she said, well, all right, technically I wasn't driving. They just wanted me to say that. And we went on and on. All right, fine. So we went back. First thing we did was went to the hospital and, uh, asked for the blood, did a search warrant, got the blood um from the guy and then went and talked to him and he's like no she was driving she was driving and so we had her statement we ended up testing the blood it was way over <clears throat> so we ended up we were able to cite him for dui on that but you know it's a lot of people try and do that they try and get away with stuff and try and say they weren't driving especially in accidents and boats it's a lot harder in cars because you know as you're just sitting there you can just swap real quick in a car it's a little bit harder to swap drivers so well, and I think thing too, you tell me when this happened, but it's in my quote adult lifetime, I believe they changed the law where like, you tell me the name 15, 20 years ago, if you got a DUI or whatever you want to call it in a boat, it was, you got a DUI on a boat. Now that goes on your driver's license. And now some states, absolutely. Uh, Indiana is one of them. Um, Ohio is really pushing for that. I, I don't think some judges do it. Some judges just do it anyways, um, but uh, get a good attorney and they can usually take care of that. But other judges, it doesn't have anything to do with your driving license. So it's it's tough, you know, when you get into that, when you start going to court and you start dealing with the judges and, you know, what's going on with, you know, who gets arrested and who doesn't. It's it can be an yeah, issue. There's, there's I mean, there's been like I, I can think of a couple charter captains, uh, nobody I associate with, but, mm -hmm. you know, that have like three or four DUIs and you know, they lose their captain's license. And you're like, and maybe that, you know, at that point, some of those guys is uh, why the uh, the judge said you can't drive either, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's sometimes the judges just pull it out. You know, they can see that what's going on there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one when you're on the water like that. I, I think it's funny because. Uh, you know, like you said, like break walls, like the amount of boats that I have seen firsthand that have hit a break wall, or maybe it's a picture somebody sends me, you know, when I was just left or whatever, you know, but around our area, it's pretty crazy, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, you know, as I get older, I get nicer, right? Maybe <laughs> producer dude's not going to say anything. Maybe. But, yeah. Maybe you're a little nicer. Yeah. Well, I am. I, I am. Yeah. But a little less judgmental because I mean, you know, you drop your cell phone, you do this, we're all multitasking. It becomes somewhat easy but like i know a guy who fishes a lot who hit a buoy <laughs> huh and again you're doing something else not paying attention or whatever i mean it's just like anything else but how many of these buoy things or have you ever seen like something like that sink a boat even because the boat that i know with one guy i mean it it, it beat it up bad bad there the there's metal. been Several. And it, it, it's not just in rough water. There was some guys from Pennsylvania. They were off of Catawba and uh, clear day, flat, calm, not even a lot of boats out. It's just one of those days. And they were cruising along and there was one of those green cans 
and they crushed it. I mean, did ton. They couldn't drive their boat in. They had to call for a tow boat. And yeah, because when people when you hit it, the buoy goes down and comes back up, and it's like that's the knockout punch. Oh yeah, yeah. We we'd be um, <clears throat> we'd be running the river on the Maumee River, and I'd look at the buoy and turn around and go, "Look at that!" And there's fiberglass all over one of those buoys on the river. Obviously, somebody hit it. And then you just go to the marinas and look around because they got to pull that boat out. There's. Um, you know, damage to it, and it's it's probably going to be at the water level. So, could, so, so are you giving them a double whammy? And you're going to give them a ticket afterwards too? Yeah, we usually would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, leaving the scene, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's pretty. Ooh. But you know what? You know, you, you talk about law enforcement, and you know, well, we're above the law, and what you know, no, I had a, a uh, I'm not going to say what department it was, but uh, they were in a police boat. And they were coming out of Putin Bay. Doesn't mean they were from that area. And uh, they they crushed one of the buoys. The operator, I, you know, another deputy, I, I turned around and looked. And uh, he uh, said, he, he's like, where's that buoy? Bam. And they had a brand new boat. And it was, you know, an expensive boat. And uh, they did $25,000 worth of damage to this boat. Yeah. And I, I ended up having to cite that officer for that I, I know a guy i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go there go there but it's fun coming to make you smile i know a guy used to work with ahead of you instance yeah yeah it happens i mean it does it's it it's like so, you, you drive for a living you're gonna get an accident it's the same with on the water there you <clears> so so here's my question i mean you, you the big ones are obviously that you've dealt with right you got alcohol you got just a brain fart if you will at what point on Erie, because I don't think people, I always say I don't fear it, but I respect it. I've been in some stuff that I didn't purposely go into, but came in, you know, on that's like, or left early because of you get these little pop-up storms. Most people don't have enough boating experience. I mean, just see people at the marinas trying to dock, let alone if they were in, in inclement weather or, you know, they call it the three sisters for people listening to this. It's like, you see one wave and you're kind of like, it opens your eyes like, holy shit, that was a big wave. And then the next one, you're like, oh God. But it's actually the third one that puts you in deep duty because you've got yourself where you can't recover or the boat is in a position where there is even, I couldn't, you know, get myself out of that perhaps. Yeah. So so what percentage do you think is whether it's big waves, inclement weather, whatever you want to call it, or where experience level is the bulk of this? Oh, I, you know, at the bottom of my reports, I had to put the three major causes of the accident. Not, not, there wasn't always three, but the majority of the time there was. And a lot of times, um, operator inexperience was usually one of those, uh, in those three, because, um, it's either situational inexperience or just totally, you know, they might be a great boater down, you know, on an inland lake or uh, something like that. But when you get on Lake Erie, it's a whole different breed. Even the, any of the Great Lakes are pretty bad, but especially the Western Basin of Lake Erie is so shallow. The waves are so close. Um, it gets really bad. I, you know, I'm sure the salesman wasn't happy. We were working at Bass Pro Shops and these three guys came up and they were trying to buy a boat. And they were talking about taking it out on Lake Erie. And I'm looking at this. It's one of those little, it's not even a bass boat, uh, one of those little aluminum boats. And, uh, you know, I pointed out, I'm like, hey, guys, are the three of you guys going to fish together? And they're like, yeah. And I took them over to the capacity plate and said, well, right here, it says three people, 450 pounds. Well, I think two of them were 500 and some pounds. 
So I said, you guys. Judgmental, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They. So they ended up buying the, buying the next one up, um, but the salesman wasn't happy. Well, I don't even think they could. I think they couldn't afford the next one up. That's why they were taking that one. But, uh, you know, and then the boat situation, whether the boats are old and shouldn't be out there or they're the wrong boat. So I'm going to talk about your Lund style boats that have the shallow back on them the back end it doesn't have the back where the waves can roll back into it and we get that a lot where waves will just roll up the back side and swamp the boat and sink it um and that boat was not made for lake erie it was made for an inland water but then people are like hey let's go up to lake erie they're catching a walleye so they cruise up here and then yeah like you said you get caught out in the storms either they they don't look at the weather because that's one of the questions we'd ask is you know did you look at the weather before you came out and people be like no not at all and it's like well next time you might want to think about that because that can be you you here here, i have a story a little bit i just thought about that we're both involved in so i'm at the gas station one day and country steve who producer dude will you know it's like his stepbrother basically right so he's fished (laughs) with us forever and these guys are staring at me, like staring. And Country Steve was like, I think you've got some fans there or something. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, God, these guys are going to follow us type of thing. And anyway, we come out of the deal. And sure enough, these guys just absolutely beeline on me. And it was a North Winds. It was pretty rough. I'd say three to fives, to be honest with you. It was one of those. It, it was it was just one of those. You go, mm. And the crew I had, we were like comfortable, you know, whatever. I, I guess reserve judgment or whatever irrelevant to the story but i went out and i set up and i was coming down when i told you guys we're gonna make one pass down here and we're gonna catch them and go home type of thing so judge me if you will but those boats the two boats they set up on each side of me do you remember <laughs> this yeah and i told the guy i said we're i mean we're catching we are catching well these guys we're pulling spinners slow and these guys are either doing they can't control their boats as well where i'm going to or in fact they were pulling crankbaits or whatever they are flying by me in a in minutes. You know what I mean? They're passing, passing because they had set up just behind me. Literally, like I could throw a baseball damn near and hit them. And I told the guy sitting in the front seat of my boat who was um, already becoming a little um, under the weather, shall we say? <laughs> and I said, "Hey, you know, watch watch that boat. He's going to come across me." He's like, "What do you mean?" I could. It's just boaters. When he sees we well, got three fish on a net swinging. He just has, he's got to think, oh, we're going to cut right in front of him. That's what we need to do. They always do it. (laughs) Stupidest thing ever, but, and also kind of an asshole move. But nevertheless, I said, hey, where's that guy? And he's like, I don't know. And I remember coming up on a wave and just seeing just the trolling motor. The boat, you know, had completely collapsed or, or, you know, gone under just nothing there. And I remember calling you first thing and saying, hey, and giving you your coordinates. And you were like, it was your day off and you were at Kroger's or something. (laughs) Do you remember this? I do. I do. And then we we called the Coast Guard as well. And I think you helped, you know, get to get things going. But maybe maybe tell us the behind the scenes story in that, because those guys were I mean, it's the boats were, I would say, not up to the caliber uh, of part of it from me seeing yeah. my end of it. But then the other thing was these guys were inexperienced. They're also just being assholes with cutting in front of me in three to fives and trying to trough. And they took a wave, you know, I, you know, didn't say watch it, but I, you know what happens. But then the one guy went back out, like his buddy's getting hauled in. I was like, are you stupid? But I like to hear the behind the scenes on that as you did some of that investigation. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it goes back to what I was saying right before we talked about that. It just, you know, the boats aren't made for Lake Erie or 
they're not big enough. And in the situation, like you said, it was three to fives. Those boats should have never been out there with you. I mean, you're experienced enough that you know how to run those waves and you can get out there or get yourself out of trouble where they were not. They didn't understand the the trough and the running the troughs and stuff. And, um, you know, that was, you know, so they come in, the towboat guy goes out, gets them. Everybody gets pulled out of the water. They go in. Um, we talk to them. We get on the, and actually I remember the one guy said he's going back out. And I'm like, what do you mean he's going back out? Didn't you get enough out of that? And, and, know, and his buddy was, you know, going to the hospital because there's two dudes in the water. It was like the end of April, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hypothermia sets in real fast on these guys. And, you know, you start dealing with them and there's some, yeah, you know, it's, I've been in uh, ambulances with guys that are just bawling their eyes out because they they saw that, you know, they almost died on that stuff. And that happens so fast. You know, you have all these situations that lead up and there should be something that says there should be signs as you're approaching and, and you get into a bad situation. Little signs that start to get bigger. Um, while we were out there, it was out in front of Cooley Canal. It was another fatal these guys went out, they show up, they'd been fishing for like two or three days. The ramps were packed, nowhere to park. They pull up, nobody there. They're like, sweet, we got the ramp to ourselves. That should have been a sign, you know, right there. And they, <laughs> they, they jump in the boat, they put it in, they start going out, they get out to the mouth and uh, of Cooley Canal there. Um, and all of a sudden, huge waves. So they're still going to go out. Well, there's four people on boat on the boat and they get out a little ways and the the operator realizes now he's in over his head he's he goes to the guy sitting beside him there's a lot of things that happened at once but the guy sitting beside him says hey get life jackets for everybody there was one guy with a life jacket on which was this guy's brother and uh, he was on oxygen and uh so the guy went to the back of the boat well the guy's brother didn't want to be in the back of the boat because the waves were just huge he went up next to the guy, and at the same time, the operator grabbed the radio because he did have a radio, which most people don't. And he said, Mayday. And right when he said, Mayday, a wave hit him at the same time that other guy, his brother, who was a big guy, went up to the other side, and the wave hit him and just rolled him right over. The The brother died. He drowned right away. Um, and then there was uh, the, the towboat guy heard the Mayday call, so he came out and um, tried to find them, found them right away, pulled two guys out, a good Samaritan, pulled another guy out. Um, they end up pulling the body out in and taking it in. But that was a situation there where, you know, you had a couple signs leading up to it. When you got to the mouth and you looked up and there was huge rollers rolling into the channel, why would you, why would you keep going? Why wouldn't you, you know, turn around? You already have the sign. Well, there's nobody else there. That should be another sign that says, hey, everybody's smart. So, so here's a little bit of a legality question. I know this is technically a Coast Guard question, I think, but I know you probably have the answer. So if a boat is, I think it's 20 feet to something or there's some deal, it's supposed to sink parallel, meaning not vertically up and down. Right. You're supposed to have a, that boat, that manufacturer is supposed to put enough flotation in it yeah. so that you don't have what we've talked about in several of these incidents. Like the, you know, the one I said that I witnessed firsthand a hundred yards from me and then the four um, person fatality. What, what, what's, what's going on there? Like, I mean, are the boat manufacturers getting sued by this or what is the. No, they're, I mean, they don't really, you know, some attorneys try and go in and find negligence. Usually it doesn't work. Um, I've had to testify at some of that stuff. And, you know, you just go in, they ask you questions about most of my questions are how many accidents have you had? And they already know the answer to it. How many um, with this specific boat? So they're trying to pin it on one boat to try and say it's an unsafe boat to try and get money out of the manufacturer for a person that died. It usually doesn't work. 
I mean, because like my boat, again, I'm not trying to give a shameless plug here, but you know, I, I've been running Rangers for like 20 years and they're completely filled with foam, as you know. So if you literally fill that thing completely with water right to the gunnels, which I know people that maybe have done that. Uh, I tried one time. It, that boat just will literally be in the water where you just see the outboard sticking out, basically. You know, right. you've seen the, some of the bass boats. There's been a lot of pictures of bass boats out here that have been swamped like that. But the point is, is people still sit in the boat. They have, you know, it's 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 up it becomes not as much of an obstruction you know like those boats that are are literally suspended in the water column quite literally they have just enough air trapped probably in the lids and what have you or flotation um i'm just surprised that that's not enforced because again like do you know the specific law on that with the boat manufacturers with what it has to have the length or what have you i'm not the the actual specific law i'm not sure it is a coast guard law it's a federal law that the manufacturers have to do certain things to boats. And that's, you know, they take all our accidents, they compile them from all over the country. And then they will change safety standards across the boat industry if they're seeing something that's an issue. Um, and that was that was a huge one. That You know, that helps a lot with that because people stay with the boat. Now, you still get the boats that will roll over, especially in rough water. If they uh, porpoise and swamp and, you know, fill the boat it's called swamping because they're still flat on the water and then you know a wave comes along and just rolls them over you know you stay with the boat you should always stay with the boat if you something happens but so you know as we're talking about these things just thinking about my own experience i kind of like have thinking you know I, I feel like you can give me a yes or no answer on this so you think about pleasure boaters i think about alcohol i think about inexperience and i also think about like maybe the boats aren't uh, up to par a little bit, even though that could go either way. And then I think about fishermen. Alcohol, I guess it does play a part, but uh, I would think less. But I'm, that's why I'm interested in your opinion. Or maybe you would think fishermen have more experience levels, but they're also probably pushing it and going out in things that they should, that a pleasure boat would be like, there's no way we're going to the bay today. Um, so, I mean, what is worse, fishermen or pleasure boaters for issues or that you have had more problems with, however you want to look at that? Uh, they each have their own set of issues. I'll say, you know, your pleasure boaters, most, that's where you're getting into your inexperience that we, you know, we're talking a little bit about, um, you know, they don't know sometimes if they should be going out or, or when they should call it quits where fishermen, they know, but sometimes, like you said, they push the issue, the fish are biting, they're not paying attention. Um, it, it does, you know, so your fishermen will, like, especially if you come to say alcohol, most of your fishermen won't drink that much while they're out fishing. Now I'm talking your, your walleye sport fishermen, your, your bass sport fishermen, stuff like that. Your charters, you know, obviously the charters go out, the, the, the clients will have alcohol, but usually the charter boats aren't an issue. It's your recreational fishermen that go out, they're perch fishing, they're walleye fishing. They'll be sitting around having beers. You know, you come up on them, you start to talk to them and you realize man these guys hey guys dude it's only 10 o'clock what's going on here so um but yeah no i mean that's so yeah it's uh you get more experience when you get into the bass fishermen but that doesn't always mean that they're smarter that just means that they sometimes know what to do in a situation so you ever you ever had to intervene in a fight between two boaters because i feel like last week i could have answered that for you almost myself <laughs> I think people are getting worse. They really are. I, honestly, like boat to boat out there, I just, I, there, there's people that need the fact that they don't feel that they could get a good ass whooping and they pull out their phones and, you know, 
don't you do anything now? Like, I, I feel like that's changed why people just feel the need to pop off or act like a jackass. Well, we've had, you know, we've had all sorts of stuff. We had a guy, he had a slingshot and uh, he was fishing off a pier, which they're not supposed to fish that side. And he would shoot rocks and stuff at people. And then one guy stopped and he had a knife on him. And um, so the, the sheriff's department had to intervene with us. And then I actually had a charter boat guy pull a gun on a, on a boat. They were both trolling. And I think um, the non-charter boat person ended up, he had two kids with him. And they uh, caught a fish and they were excited and reeling it in and the kids and all that stuff. They weren't paying attention, which happens. And then um, the charter boat guy was just going straight. And instead of veering, because you could see what was going on, he just pushed the issue. Well, they got all wrapped up in everything and they went back and forth, jaw jacking a little bit. And uh, next thing, the guy went down below and come up with a gun and was kind of half pointing it at him. And then... Um, so they called and filed a report and, you know, you, you want to say you can arrest that guy, but in order to press charges, the guy has to be willing to come back up. And if they're not from this area, you know, that can be an issue for some people and he wasn't willing to come back up. So, um, you know, we get people, they, you know, there's always a knife on a fishing boat because, you know, fillet knives and other knives to cut line and shit like that. And uh, we get people that'll, you know, pull the knife up and, you know, run their mouths a little bit and, we get that quite a bit. We get, I get calls on that all the time, or I used to when I was working and, you know, it's, you just make sure there's no, you can't threaten to kill somebody, stuff like that. But usually it's a, he said, she said kind of thing. And that's where it usually goes. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little biased, but yeah, some of these charter captains, believe it or not, it's just like they set their autopilot and it's like, set it and forget it. And they, they just, uh, it's just bad. I mean, it makes us look bad. I would also tell you it's generally big boat guys. Um, yeah. I could name a few of them, actually, that are kind of just complete assholes. But and everybody knows the same guys. So, again, that's why we just need a beat down one time and maybe a mentality would change. But, again, like in that case, the crazy thing to me is, is, okay, so said charter boat, right or wrong, why not veer just a little bit? So, guess what? You don't spend the rest of the day you're untangling your stuff or losing gear. Like, ignorance is just like gun aside like dude what the <laughs> yeah, yeah get out of the way yeah that they'll be dead right like like i said no i'm right on like it just kind of tells me what kind of ding dong you got but uh especially if it wasn't somebody that you had reoccurring things with i think me and you could both probably name some of the same people that just you know it's like again and again and again and they just they need a beating is what they need i think we need to bring back capital punishment or whatever something but the yeah, yeah. uh, especially trolling out there is because it's not like you drift and fish and, and even drift fishing. Some people drift faster than others and people just refuse to quit drifting. You know, I oh, have the right to or two. It's like, man, okay, whatever. You know, I just get on my trolling motor and just scoot out of the way with, you know, when I'm out in my boat, but um, you know, there's, there's other instances. Trolling is the hardest because it's, you know, everybody thinks they're going to and nobody's going the same direction. It's not like everybody's going clockwise or something along that lines. You know, it's everybody's going in a different direction. So well, there, there's always that one guy. We can be three to fives, and there's always one guy that's got to be troughing through, and everybody's going with him or you know into him or back and forth. And there's always that one dude, and then he's like, "What? What?" Right. <laughs> you know, like, he doesn't even oh know he's. God. It's not necessary. He's doing anything illegal, but he could be doing something that could be a little bit better with everybody else. Well, I mean, courtesy and sportsmanship goes an awful long way. 
and I, I think that that's that's definitely lost and and that kind of like one of the things i wonder about your issues with let's say the fall you know the uh, the fall derbies right we got a couple of them now there's arguably more people participating than ever but numbers wise again just because they buy a ticket doesn't mean they're out there doing it or they're not doing it you know like i have a ticket but i fish let's say 100 days in the fall and these guys are fishing 10 or five or whatever or one or none but right. Have you seen a spike in things? Because I know there's been some fatalities during that period with people. Yeah, so we, you know, we did have quite a few pop up then, and I think one time we had two in one year, but then usually it's just one more year. I mean, it's just you're putting people out there later in the year because for a long time there'd just be a handful of people that would be going out at that time, you know, because it's always been a good time to fish. It's just now all of a sudden they have a tournament. People think, oh, I can go out and catch a big fish and um, win some money or win some prizes and stuff. So then they go out and, um, you know, in, in the bad situations and their boats already kind of, uh, not really qualified to go out in that stuff. Or, I mean, you know, believe it or not, we have transoms that just fall off people's boats, you know, why they're running just cause that's how, um, junky their boat is. But, uh, you know, you put it now into the fall and that kind of thing happens or, just something happens bad and people aren't experienced um cold weather bigger waves usually in the fall um you know just bad situations happen from that and not funny story but funny story when you just said the transom thing i can remember a guy coming over and we were launching at this at this uh i guess i won't say it doesn't matter but kind of an out of the way ramp on purpose you know it was in the fall this is before the fall brawl things this is this is a while ago this is well, me and producer, we were doing the TV show because this guy came over and he's like, hey, man, I watch your show. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, give me some tips. And the guy literally ran and I'm looking over at his boat. And again, this is not a money thing. This is, you know what I mean? Because I know people, they send comments like, oh, we don't have a ranger like you. This is not a money thing to your point, right? Like this is a maintenance or just common sense thing. I'm looking at this guy's boat and he had a roller trailer and he's going to unhook it. I was like, dude, you cannot do that. And you know what happened? He skipped that thing right down. Then he's trying to pull it back out, and it's got, you know, 500 gallons of water or whatever that, you know, and I said, dude, you're going to collapse your, you know, your uh, your trailer now, and you're probably not going to be able to, to even, you know, slide down the ramp or whatever. So, but I can remember going over that guy, and he finally got things kind of situated because he blocked the ramp. Nobody could get in or out. And I could put my hand, it was, a, it was an aluminum boat, I'll just say that. I could put my hand between the, what I'm going to call the transom and where the gunnels are meeting. You could see daylight, you know? And I was like, and he's, he's getting ready to launch this boat again. Now he's got the water out. And I said, dude, you cannot go. You cannot launch this boat. You got your, you got your wife and your kids here, man. But he was so hell bent on. I'm sure there was a little bit of ego and embarrassment, right? Cause it was in front of a bunch of people, but the common sense thing is not strong all the time. Again, it's it's not necessarily a money thing. I mean, I I've got a twenty year old boat. Me and producer dude just did a, a video series, you know, rehabbing the whole thing. Um, and it's it's you know it's a little ugly, but it's it's very secure. We went and redid all the you know the plumbing and the pumps and and made sure that everything was going to function, even though it's not burnt and sparkly and and nice like it was one day. But you had to have seen a lot of shit like that. Oh, all the time we would do. Because when the state of Ohio went to, you had to have a 12-digit hen on your boat, we would go and inspect these boats. Now, we would only be inspecting them for, um, you know, what length is it? Because a lot of people would say, oh, it's 13 foot 9 when it's like 14 foot 1 because they didn't want to have to mess with the title. So we would inspect boats for that and the serial number, making sure it wasn't stolen because we did find quite a few stolen boats that way. But then we would 
um, look at it and they'd be like, so is this seaworthy? And, you know, our reaction was, and we were told that you, we are not to determine if a boat is seaworthy or not. That's not, because you run into a lot of liability when you start saying, yeah, that's seaworthy and somebody takes it out and something happens then. So, um, but yeah, we, I'd look at some of these boats, like I'd be, you know, I'd say, I can't say anything, but I'd be holding the transom and wiggling it or like you can push it in cause it's so rotten, you know, the wood's so rotten on it. So there's a lot of those boats out there that probably shouldn't be out there. So, so kind of along that, those lines, boat modifications, have you seen anything? Cause I, I know a guy that built a boat and it looks super cool, but I'm like, man, is there any flotation in this thing? You know? And, and, and he went through that whole process or whatever, but it's getting like, like you said, the state isn't going to determine if, uh, you know, you're Bob Vila or not. So, right. But what about other boat modifications? Because I see things where people have put on different things that literally cause the boat to sink. I know a guy that had his one of his vent caps altered, and it forced water in from the boat spray. Yeah. And it literally sunk it. Well, you know, there's a couple I can think. One is, so uh, University of Toledo had a boat. It was a, a survey boat to go out and, like, do studies on the water and, and stuff like that. And they had added a whole bunch of the diamond-plated boxes on this boat i'm talking this is i think it was like a 17 foot like aluminum v-bottom boat tiller it, it actually had a steering it might have been a 19 foot had a, a steering wheel on it and everything like that but they added a whole bunch of uh the diamond plate boxes on it which those can be pretty heavy and um and actually they added them up front um a couple in the back but most of them no were all lift yeah, and then when when they went, they were cruising along, and they actually nosedived off and porpoised under the water and just swamped the boat. So when I went in, I had to point that out to the the director of the program and say, "Hey, look, you're overloaded on this." And I had to point that out. <clears throat> but another one we had was these guys took like a a fishing rod holder on their little boat and put it on. It was like a it's like a big metal one. It looked like the grill from a jeep or something like that that they made up themselves. It you know, obviously they put it up kind of high so they could still fish, but it was heavy. And uh, when they went out, it they rolled the boat over and capsized. And when, you know, we got it in, you had to point that out. Like they were severely overloaded and, you know, there was some heavy guys on board and stuff like that. And um, the boat just went down. I think they went to the back. There was like four guys. It ended up being a fatality, actually. Um, some guys went to the back of the boat, like three of the guys went back and they were all large guys and um with that um rod holder on the top big metal rod holder it just ca caused it to capsize and and swamp and then it actually it rolled over on top of the operator and uh, he's the one that ended up drowning so huh that's you don't you know i guess you don't think about i mean i kind of think about that stuff that's my business but i guess an average guy might not think about something like that like the rod holder deal but you know backing up when you talked about that jet ski that blew up was that do they believe a um a fumes deal because that's what people don't realize like gas is super flammable but it's the fumes you don't need to have it poured all over the place yeah you got to have a percentage of the fume of uh the the gas fume vapor um in the air before it will ignite and then it just takes one little spark and i think there was a small leak and then when the girl stopped dropped her son off and she went back out then it exploded yeah it was just uh, a vapor thing we've had i mean boat fires can be pretty bad when they're on the water usually you just get the one um <clears throat> but uh like cedar point we had a bad one there i think there was like 27 boats burn up at the cedar point marina i remember it, that i could see it you know, from the house 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just kept going from boat to boat to boat. Um, so here's a, here's kind of a, a funny one that the, the guy going with it. So this guy pulls up to, he's in uh, West Harbor and he pulls up to one of the gas docks in there and he's going to fill up. So he docks it. He's got a little dachshund kind of dog with him and uh, he's filling up the, the, the dock girls filling it up and uh, she's filling it up on the driver's side, how he's parked. Well, then he, there's two tanks on it. So he wants to fill the other side. And he says, well, how about if I, you go inside, I'll pass it to you. I'll go on the other side and then you pass it to me and I'll fill it up out there. She's like, fine, whatever. So she does that and then um, goes back and waiting for him, passes it back through. He goes in, pays for it all, comes back out. He goes on, he's on the fly bridge to start it. And he turns the, knee, the, the, the key and it just explodes, boom. Well, when we watched the film, we went back, you can see he's actually filling gray water tank, not the fuel tank, but the gray water tank. So boats fully engulfed. Rod, rod holders, a lot of rod holders get a gas nozzle in them. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know that? I mean, seriously, it happens. Like, guys, I see it all the time on trailer stuff, too, where guys take those, like, Perco flush mounts and they put gas in it. Yeah. Well, the guy ended up, uh, they untied it, got it pushed off, and it's out there floating. Um, a, a, it was going towards a bunch more boats. So this, uh, I think it was a Toledo fireman, went over threw a rope on it, pulled it into an area where it wouldn't, I think it ended up hitting some guy's dock and damaged the tree, but it didn't damage a bunch of boats or houses or anything. But uh, so the guy was hurt. I mean, he was obviously hurt. So was his dog. So I ended up taking him to uh, uh, the hospital and then there was a fireman took his dog to the vet. So while we're in the hospital, you know, we go through, okay, they check him out. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. He goes, yeah, but I'm really hurting. Can I get some painkillers? And uh, the nurse looks at oh, me boy. and I'm like, man, I just kind of shrugged my shoulder like, yeah, whatever. So she's like, no. He goes, what about this? And it was an old injury on his hand, like a scratch or something. And she's like, no. So we're driving home and the fireman calls me and says, hey, I got this guy's dog. And I said, all right, they got your dog. And I go here, talk to the guy. So I give him the phone. He's going to meet us at this place. And uh, the guy's like, so did they give my dog any painkillers? And I'm like, man, this dude's all strung out on painkillers. So. I get there and I head the guy off. I need painkillers for my dog, but give them to me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, I told the guy, I said, do not give those painkillers to him. Well, the guy didn't have, have any insurance um, on the boat. So now it's the question of how are you going to get this boat out? Because now you got this mess over there. It's full, you know, it's, uh, it's sunk at this guy's dock, did all this damage and, um, you know, people were calling me going, I had damage to my trees. I'm like, well, the guy don't have insurance. He probably won't get any money out of them. No, okay, fine. Well then, um, they got, they had to work it out. They finally got it towed out. So then a couple weeks later, the guy went and bought another boat and he sunk this boat too. And the tow boat guy was like, yeah, we're going to have to work on this, but come to find out the guy got arrested. His mom was on his her deathbed, so he took her checkbook and was just writing all sorts of checks, money, money, um, spending all this money of hers, buying the boats, buying a car, a truck, some other stuff. And then his mom made a full recovery, and then she had no money, so she ended up having to press charges, and he ended up getting arrested after that. And it was a long, drawn-out story, but kind of comical like when a, you get That's like a bad movie right there. I know it. I know. But, but kind of backing up, so a little bit of a lesson with those guys. I mean, 
Long story short, when you fill a boat up with gas, regardless if you do it properly or not, and you have a large bilge area, most of those boats are equipped with blowers to get the fumes out before you start the motor, right? And and, and guys, don't do it. You got to do it. Yeah, you should. So you get done. So what happened there? He's done fueling up. So he puts everything aside. He should have walked up and hit the blowers so that they're running. Then he should have walked in, paid for the gas, did whatever. You know, it says you're supposed to run the blowers for two minutes um, because it's sucking fresh air in, pulling the old air out. And um, he didn't, you know, he didn't run them at all. He just got on board and tried to start it. And that, that, I'll, I'll chalk that one up to inexperience because he had just bought the boat and he didn't know. Not that that's an excuse by any means, but uh, just didn't know. Hmm. Interesting. There's this, I mean, you think about like you literally, anytime you're called in and the later half of your career there, it's going to be a situation. Like there, there's like, this is, there, nothing's going to come good out of this, right? Like everything's bad. But I guess that's kind of like a cop a little bit. So what, I mean, what would somebody, if you're looking back and trying to educate, you know, Joe Public or whatever, because I think right now, like law enforcement in general, even though maybe people don't think of as a watercraft officer as law enforcement, I mean, it, it is, right? Right. Just because it's not a cop. And I mean, those guys still carry guns and do the whole deal. Yeah. I can tell you firsthand, I've had bad experiences with watercraft officers who have been cited because of it, because they were such assholes. But that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> but I mean, what can what can Joe Public do, you know, to make your job easier or a safer thing? Because nobody, I, even when I say this, people are probably like tuning out. But in all seriousness, like you have to put yourself in their situation, like like a cop, like right now. I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I mean, you know what I mean? People pointing cell phones and cops' faces, like say, well, say it again. But yet, you have bad police officers too. Like I mean, or you have or law enforcement, right? And I'm sure you've worked with some bad, uh, you know, watercraft officers through the years. Uh, I know some good ones. I know some bad ones. But what can a Joe Public kind of do then to make that experience better? I mean, you had to have had people, they're just being assholes, but walk us through something that you would tell, want everybody to know. Well, the biggest thing is, so obviously in Ohio, every state's a little bit different, but you got to take a mandatory boating education class. And you can go online and take that class. And that's what the majority of people do because it's quick and easy. But you don't learn anything. So a lot of these accidents that we're talking about are preventable. And, you know, we we teach it. When I say we, I mean ODNR. Um, the Coast Guard teaches it. The Power Squadron teaches it. When I say Coast Guard, Coast Guard Auxiliary. Um, and you go t- take a class. Our classes were a one-day class. You can do a little more in-depth on classes if you wanted to with the other two people that teach. But you go in there, you learn the stuff that you're supposed to learn when you're out boating. And then it keeps you from, one, getting in trouble when, you know, so that it's a life or death, but also doing stuff that's illegal. Because there's stuff that we teach in that class. And then we'll even go to these other classes that like the Coast Guard Auxiliary or Power Squadron teaches. And we'll talk as officers. We will go in and talk to these classes and answer questions for people. And, you know, you go over just the laws part of thing and tell people what you can and can't do. And most people don't understand that stuff. They don't know that you can't do that stuff. And and I think the biggest thing is take a safe boating class. And plus, I always tell people, you know, check with your insurance company, because if you have insurance on your boat, which most people do, if you 
take a class and you submit that to your insurance company, they usually knock 10 or 15% off your boat insurance, which can be substantial sometimes. So, but then you know, either. Would you, we always ask this producer dude will, will back me on this. This is like the worst question to ever ask. Apparently. Yes, as well, a, I don't know why you, know, you always ask it <laughs> because it's almost just fun. Every I just kind of sometimes every time. I kind of want, Every time it's the same thing because I, I guess, you know, I'm, well, I'm, you know, I'm a fishing guy. Right. And so we're doing a podcast. I'm not some Joe Rogan. Okay. But uh, producer, we have had like two people in like 75 episodes, like, like get us on this one. Is that an accurate number? Yeah, it's accurate. And again, why, why you're just going to probably edit it out or maybe not now because we want to see the crash and burn your guest up for failure. We've been, uh, this is an hour plus discussion, which it's probably the best discussion I've had with Jason in almost 20 years, but literally, do you know that uh, over 20 years? I know it. Isn't that crazy? 23 actually. Yeah. Yeah. We met any rate. my first couple of years we met, you were just yeah. a fuck that had a huge attitude, but you kind of lost it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Overbearing cop. Anyhow. So. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what's changed in 20 some years, your hair color. That, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I am going to um, I'm going to heed producer dude's warning and not ask the question because it just ends in a dumpster fire. But I also feel like I need to throw a shot in there because this was so lovely and nice. This whole thing, it went so well. You were so good and informative and amazing stories. Producer dude, would you say some of the better stories we've yeah, had? Good, yeah, good stories. I would tell people if, if you like our podcast, it's amazing. The guys that fish with me all the time. They get in the boat and, and we talk about things, you know, like maybe a watercraft incident with uh, somebody or something. You know, we, we we talk about these things amongst the guide clients and they're like, man, uh, what, what? Like, hey, we talked about the podcast. I would tell them, producer, maybe you throw up a link or something there. The Steve Pollack um, podcast was really good. We talked about some crazy stuff. Me and him, probably one of the scariest days I've had in a boat. Um, it involved fatalities that day, fortunately, not with me, um, but probably one of the those moments, as you said, you realize like this is not good. Like even me, I was like, this is not good. Um, so we've had a, a few of those. I think the Mike Weinhofer, would you agree, uh, producer dude? The Keys, Florida Keys guy, yeah, he brought, he, the, he brought crazy, the heat. Crazy stories. He brought the heat. You want to talk about girls, you know, showing flopping top. It, it, it got worse than that or better, depending on where you're standing with things. But um, so, yeah, the stories are always good. I think people appreciate those, especially some honesty. And in this case, I think you learn a little bit, too. It's not just all laughs. I and mean, there's a few of them in there, of course. But I think the only thing I can laugh at is those walleyes behind you, because I never would have mounted those. But what a- I'm just saying, anybody that's please watch the YouTube version of this, you'll get to see Jason's little that were nice for him walleyes, I call them. Um, but, you know, you're a bass guy. What do you expect? That's right. That's right. Hey, they're 12 and 13 pounders. What do you expect? Oh, my God. I don't know what kind of skill you're using on that. But yeah, I thought that was perch. Oh, <laughs> producer dude, Brendan. <laughs> producer dude swinging hard today. <laughs> wow see like you're just trying to be a nice guy and come on the podcast i know there we go but i i sincerely appreciate your time because you know we we've been talking about this forever and uh i i think people i should enjoy this i mean there's a lot of different stuff going on there and is there anything else that you think we should know um besides the fact that you need some grecian or just for men i used to color my hair then i got married and was like well i don't need to color my hair anymore but no, no. you know I hope people enjoyed it. I hope they learned something. You know, it's uh, 
you know, the biggest thing, like I said earlier, is take a boating class. If, you know, that's my safety preach. I, you know, a long time ago, I started wearing a life jacket and I got pictures of me holding fish up and I'll have my life jacket on. I wear an inflatable, obviously, but um, everywhere I go, I wear a life jacket just because, you know, I, I guess I got to see the the bad stuff that happens and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that, yeah, that would be like a cop, you know, saying wear your seatbelt. Like when you see all those things and bad stuff, you go, hey, maybe maybe we should just take that little extra step. But yeah, and I think the thing too is is the thing. The last thing that I would add in, I know there's people, especially around Cleveland, because at the Cleveland Boat Show, I've talked with several people. Uh, there's like a husband and wife couple in particular that will take you out on their boat and then they'll go on your boat. Like you know, you go back and forth and and learn, and it's not just a because, again, you know how some of these government things are. People are like, you know, just like when you're in school, you're like, oh, my God, you know. But to have some real-world knowledge or just know how to dock your boat, like if you don't know that, work with somebody or maybe even to your neighbor, you know, to, to learn, you know, the right-hand rotation of a prop and what that does. And so that simple things like docking that you may do on a perfectly calm day and you're like, man, I got this. Well, all of a sudden when the current or the wind picks up, you probably don't have it. So – a lot of, lot of different things in there, not to go education mode fully, but most people probably could uh, suffer from uh, learning a little bit about how they operate their craft. Oh, yeah. I, I always said that when, you know, I'd be out patrolling and I'd stop somebody and they're like, yeah, we just bought this today. I've never owned a boat before. And it's like, dude, you bought a 35 footer. Sweet. You know, and then I'd do a mini boating class. so They wouldn't kill anybody. And then I'd say, you got to take a class, you know, or I'm going to give you a ticket here. So. You know, it's and it's crazy that people do that, that they just go out and buy that stuff and think that it's all right. Well, thanks again, Jason, for giving us your time. That's stories from a watercraft patroller, investigator, everything in the whole deal. We appreciate you tuning in to the Big Water Podcast. Producer, dude, we are everywhere, are we not? If they can't find us, Instagram, Facebook, podcast is on YouTube. We're on YouTube, Big Water Fishing, uh, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, I, I mean, did I miss one? There, uh, if you go, can't find it, we like say it. this every time. Every week I get somebody going, I can't find your I can't find your podcast. And I'm like, no wonder you can't find fish. You can't even find a podcast. You just Google big water fishing. Big water is one word. Yes. Jason, you know you're gonna send this link to your uh, your in-laws now too, right? That's right. <laughs> Appreciate you tuning in. Until the next episode, we out.